0: This is All the Right Marketing, a publishing podcast by Cardinal Rule Press.
1: Fantastic. Well, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. And I want you to know we do have a lot of people who signed up and who will be watching the replay um, because it looks like a lot of the people who signed up for today's panel are working parents who can't make it right now. So they'll be watching the replay. So welcome. My name is Maria Desmondi. I am a mother of three along with two furry animals here in our home. Um, I'm also the publisher at Cardinal Rule Press. We are a children's book company and we really strive in supporting and empowering families to live their best lives. And one of the ways that we can do that is by supporting families and coming up with some ideas on and being intentional about their summer and thinking about summer expectations as far as um, summer plans habits and routines so we have gathered today with um, some different parenting experts former teachers doctors um, several individuals have books so these individuals are going to be sharing with you some of their ideas for summer routines and expectations and giving some advice on how you can make the most of those summer months. So those in our panel, the first thing we're going to do is I'm going to ask that you introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about your background and um, share with us because I know several of you have written books too, share with us your books as well. So let's begin. Um, Lizzie, you are the first one on my screen. We'll go ahead and have you begin. Great. Hi, everyone. It's so nice to meet you. I'm Lizzie Asa. My
2: pronouns are she, her, and I am the founder of the Workspace for Children. I have a background in early childhood. I've been working with children and families for many years, both in the classroom setting as well as in my private coaching practice where I work with parents individually. Um, I help parents avoid burnout by teaching them how to teach their children the skill of independent play I'm really a firm believer in the simplicity of play and the consistency of play. And that to me is what really helps the entire family win.
1: I just wrote down simplicity and consistency. I love that. Wonderful. Dr. Laura Markman, you're next on my screen.
3: Hello. Uh, I'm a clinical psychologist. I spend my time... Supporting parents to strengthen their relationships with their children, because that's what makes parenting worth it for us. That's what restores the sweetness for us. And it's also what children need to thrive and what they need, even in the most basic sense, to cooperate with us to get through the day. Fantastic. Thank you for being here. And you can can find I have several books out. Peaceful Parent, Happy Kids is the the first one. And then there's a workbook and a sibling book. But the best way to find me is just to go online, a thousand page website, ahaparenting.com, A-H-A, like those aha moments.
1: Aha moments. I love it. And all of that is going to be linked in our follow-up as well. So thank you very much. Kristen.
0: Hi, I'm Kristen Nordstrom. I'm um, a full-time teacher at a STEAM Academy. Um, I'm a 25-year veteran of the classroom, and I am a founding member of a STEAM Academy that I work at full-time. So my kids happen to be at PE. So I get to be on this panel. Um, I wrote a book called Mimic Makers, which stemmed from uh, some curriculum that I developed in my first grade classroom. And it's it's uh, a, an exploration with 10 inventors from around the world that have made a discovery in nature and then invented something based on their discovery. And they're all working scientists and engineers. So i um, happy to be here and thanks for inviting me.
1: Fantastic. Thank you. And Claire Noland.
4: Cute. Hello, I'm Claire Noland, and I am a Cardinal Rule Press author, which I'm really happy to be able to say. I also um, I was a children's librarian, a reading specialist, a kindergarten teacher, mom to four, now grandmom to three, and um, spend a lot of time with kids and books. My book with Cardinal Rule Press promotes sportsmanship, which is a tough issues sometimes with kids when they don't want to lose. I also write for our regional children's hospital. I have a series of books, including one to um, about swimming to avoid drowning and just a lot of different things. I write for highlights, educational publishers, work for hire and a couple other trade publishers.
1: Fantastic, thank you much, so much for sharing. Well, without further ado, we're going to get into the heart of our panel. And for those of you who are tuning in, I see some busy individuals back there. Um, you will be able to watch the replay. We will send it out. Um, so that way you can kind of hear all those golden nuggets again. So beginning with um, my own experience being a former teacher and um, child development specialist and parent educator, I would say that going into the summer, especially as a working parent, um, It creates a little bit of anxiety for me, Um, not only because um, of the transition, right? So I'm not a huge fan of transition. So whenever the kids go back to school, I'm always a little anxious and then they come out of school that it creates a little bit of anxiety for me as well. But I want my kids to have their best summer ever. We live in Michigan. The weather is fantastic in the summertime. And I, I just want it to be the best summer ever. Someone once said to me. Think of your children's lives in the number of summers you have. And so right now, my um, 14-year-old, I only have three more summers with her. Or is it four? I think four more summers with her. And when you think of it that way, that's really sad, right? Because like Dr. Laura had mentioned, the importance of that child and parent relationship, like it's important to be intentional because now there's only four summers left. Um, on the flip side, I have several friends who have children graduating this year, and they're in panic mode saying, did I teach my son how to make a grilled cheese sandwich? Is he ready to go to college? Um, so there's just so many things that we we worry about and we think about as parents. So I say my my advice as I we go into this panel is to sit down with your family and create a bucket list. So what is like one thing that every single person in your family really wants to do over the summer? Um, You know, for someone um, last summer, my son wanted to learn how to water ski and that was his bucket list. So how can I as a parent help? him to have that experience in the summer. Um, so, and then what about the parents too? It's your summer too. What would be something that is on your bucket list for the summer? So that would be my piece of advice as we kind of go into this is sit down as a family unit and talk about what is something that you would really like to do. Who would like to begin talking about, you know, creating those Maybe we should talk about habits first. What are some of the summer habits that you can recommend for people like myself to kind of help with that anxiety and that transition of the kids coming home from school?
2: I'm happy to jump in first, if that's okay. Um, I want to start first by saying, especially as a working parent myself, that it can feel so much pressure and anxiety for us to make these magical summers. And especially if you're someone who is online, I mean, I'm a creator on Instagram. I'm finding myself so much in the parenting space and seeing all of these posts that are like, you only have 18 summers with your kids. You have to make them free and magical and, you know, all of these things. And while, yes, I think it's so amazing to have a great outlook on summer and making it magical. I think we also really need to take the pressure off parents, especially working parents and say, you can have both. You can have a scheduled summer where your kids are in care and you can also have those magical moments and the bucket list, and it doesn't have to be all or nothing. And I mean, as far as I've seen, you are a parent for more than 18 years, right? I think even as I have teenagers now, but I'm going to imagine that when they're not teenagers, I'm still gonna be feeling very much like their mom. Um, So first, I just think it's important to set the tone for ourselves as parents, because that's where it starts um, to ground ourselves in knowing that we are enough, regardless of what it is that we can provide in the summer.
1: I think that's wonderful. I'm already feeling better. Thank you. Go ahead, Claire. Um,
4: I had four children busy busy lives working and i will tell you the best thing that i did and i started it when i had my fourth i had four children under five and um we started sunday family meetings and every sunday our children did not go anywhere they were at home they can invite anybody over they wanted i didn't care who was there but they had they were home and we started these family meetings and i haven't we we kept. We kept records and we had um you know things we talked about what had gone well during the week before what we were looking forward to the next week you know and of course during summer it was our plans for the summer but i could not keep track of who was supposed to be where when without this but the benefit is i have this unbelievable journal of our lives every single week Um, and and i that that absolutely saved me
1: Mm -hmm. I think that's wonderful. And someone um, once mentioned family meetings to me, and and ours are not super official, but um, usually it's on our drive home from church. But we always ask um, first of all, I ask them for suggestions for meals because. You know, not everybody likes what I'm cooking. So how about you suggest what I should cook? And number two is what do you need? Is there something that you need that, um, you know, we can help you with? So, for example, my girls share a bathroom and um, they neglected to tell me that they were out of toilet paper and I didn't realize that. So what do you need? So I love that you brought up family meetings because communication is key. Who's going where, right? Lizzie talked about, yes, it's OK for your kids to be in summer camps, but Again, the communication, if you're you're doing life with a partner, who's taking who when, it can get a little chaotic. So I love that. So far we have um, expectations and setting the tone. We have creating like everyone in your family sharing one thing that they'd like to do this summer. And we also have that communication. Go ahead, Dr. Agoura. Uh
3: I wanted to quickly say something about family meetings and then uh, contribute something else for the summer. My family did family meetings always when my kids were growing up. And in the end, to me, what was most valuable was the opportunity to appreciate each other. It's so good for sibling rivalry. It's so good for just building those bridges in the family. And, you know, we just did appreciations. You know, you mentioned looking forward to what what went well this week. What are we looking forward to? Those are fantastic to build good feeling. And then the other thing we always did was Everyone appreciated everyone else in the family. And some, even if it was, I appreciate that Alice took a long nap so I could play with mom. You know, at least the little sister got the appreciation that she wouldn't otherwise have gotten, right? It just builds really good feelings in the family. But what I wanted to say about summer, the thing I hear most often from parents these days is screens. They don't know how to keep their kids off screens in the summer. And I think most parents are challenged by this now. And so I would say, start by coming up with a routine that you feel comfortable with. Now, if you're working outside the home and somebody else is there with your kids, or maybe they're at summer, you know, at a a program all day, that's all fine. But then when they come home, what is that time going to look like? And and if they're home with you all day, what's that time going to look like? And when you add in the time outside, the time reading books, the time cooking together, the time cleaning up the house together and the time for free play, which I'm a big fan of. When you add all that in, there's not a lot of time left for screen time. And it. so the focus needs to be on all those other things. And then there, sure, there can be a little bit of screen time when it works for you and when you're willing, ready and able to handle the meltdown that will happen when you turn off the screen, because of course it changes their body chemistry. So afterwards, once they've watched the screen, they've got all these stress hormones going on that you're going to have to get them. You're going to have to give them hugs to get the oxytocin going. You're going to have to get them outside to move around and get that other stuff all out of their bloodstream, basically. But it's fine to have a little screen time. The thing is to make sure you have a routine or a schedule.
1: That's fantastic, and um, Kristen, I would love to talk to you. Being in that, you're in the classroom right now. Let's talk a little bit about what Dr. Laura was saying. Once you fill your day with that free play, and you know, um, maybe you're doing some chores or helping around the house. What about including some learning in the summer? Dun dun
0: dun! Oh, for what, sure. what are your
1: suggestions around learning? For sure. How can we as parents um, set some habits up around yeah. that?
0: Yeah. Well, I always say make it make it fun. You know, p- try to find any way to make learning a f- a, so it should never feel like a chore, especially at home. I mean, during the during the school year, yeah, homework can feel like a chore, but the summer you can you can you can mix it up so you can turn, you know, practicing your math facts, take it outside, you know, kick the ball around, you know, count by twos, twos, four, six, eight, you're outside with the soccer ball. You've turned that into a game and you go outside and, um, any kind of a game that requires taking turns is a great thing because that's such a fundamental skill within the classroom, being able to play a game, listen to whoever you're playing with, follow rules together. And again, you're having fun, but they're they're practicing kind of those social skills that always need a little bit of practice. So turn any, any kind of learning into fun is, is number one. I, I was going to make the suggestion of, of making a little kitchen scrap garden. Um, so what you would normally throw out all your lemon seeds and your grapefruit seeds and your limes and your oranges and 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 turn that into a little bit of a, a garden an indoor garden you don't need literally anything except a little bit of soil and a wet paper towel and that can actually be one of the daily chores is tend to the in inner the garden inside of how is our lemon tree growing how is our orange tree growing or what's happening to our you know carrots that we we were trying to grow the tops to create little places where there are stations where kids can come and interact. So you're not saying be off the screen. You're saying, hey, let's go do our garden together. Let's see what's growing. Let's see if we can measure it. Let's see what's happening. So I can put that in a link of how to, instead of throwing away all the things that you would throw away normally from a kitchen, you collect them all and there are ways to turn that into a little garden. So yeah, again, making it fun, trying to find places where it's it's structured, but they don't maybe the, the kids don't realize it's structured garden time outside playing, playing a game together, working on math facts, whatever it may be. Um, yeah. And think about
1: life. those those plants that are growing. Measuring the plants can be part oh, of it. We can chart. Sure. OK, you know, week one how what what was the, you know, shape of our plant absolutely. or size of our plant?
0: And Me plant can. things and you wonder if it's going to grow. Can I plant a grape and and let's make a prediction. What happens to a grape? or what happens to a piece of a potato that's got a little eye sticking out of it? If I stick it down in some soil and cover it up, will it grow into a potato? What's going to happen? So you can make predictions and have discussions and and a little, you know fifty cent con, um, book from staples or something, a little empty book of lines, you can start drawing and turn that into a nature journal. You can be drawing everything that you're growing. You can record all of your little, your measurements of the plant as it grows. Um, so uh, you can, you can look it up and see if it's a compound leaf or a single leaf or just all kinds of things you can, you can get into and you can put it all in your little science journal or your little, your little nature journal, whatever you may want to call it. And I have stuff on my website of making a nature journal and how you use that and whatnot. So, but I highly recommend that. Yeah. That's Fantastic. You know, here in Michigan,
1: it does get really warm. And although we, we we are fortunate to have air conditioning in our home, I will say that I love going to the library. We go once a week. It's super cold there. They must have a really great air conditioning budget. Um, and we that's what we do for, you know, a large portion of our reading. Um, we do have books in the home, but it's exciting. My kids are 14, 11, and 9. They still like going to the library. We go for usually a two-hour block of time. I'm usually working after I find my own book. Um, Sometimes I might even take the time to read my book while I'm there and take a break. Um, And we do have a rule that there are no screens at the library because the library does offer um, some screens. But it's great. The kids each have a bag, and they've had the bag since they were little, and they check out books. And it is a way for me to encourage that love of reading, um, even in the summertime.
0: And you're modeling reading too, which is actually one of the most profound ways to teach literacy is just be a reader yourself.
1: I do. I do try to take at least one of those hours to, they've got a comfy chair that I love. I sit and I read myself because it's yeah. our summer too. What else? What else are you, are, I mean, the entire day, let's think about this. What are, what are the children doing the entire day if they're not in camps in there at home? What are some other suggestions?
2: I'd love to to jump in here and say also mm-hmm. you know there is this idea I think for parents to like go on all these adventures and these magical trips but I think there's actually some real magic in repeating the same place over and over. So for example You know, I always took my children to my in laws' home by the beach every summer. And we would stay there for the summer. And oftentimes I was solo parenting and working with them. And so instead of exploring a new beach or a new to this city or to that thing, we went to the same small little one acre beach every day. And the reason for that was that they could really master the lay of the land. And so could I. And so I, Felt confidence to let them explore and play independently and move a little further from me because I really had the lay of the land, right? Whereas if we were at a new park or a new beach, I would be hyper vigilant, trying to watch them, keep them in line. And this was a way for me to be able to say yes, to give them that freedom, and to also find some relaxation myself so I could actually sit down under the umbrella and get some work done or do some relaxing myself. And so I think there's really value for children the same way there is in having them repeat the same work with the same open-ended material over and over to go to the same location over and over, like you even said, the library, where they're going to build that confidence, right? To go up and speak to the librarian or look for that book in the section because they were there last time and they know what it is. So it's those repeated routines, I think, that also take a little bit less pressure off of us and give our kids a little bit more confidence. And the other piece I can really add is also, if you can have a flexible routine and your kids are home, it's, Building in that daily downtime for everyone, parent included. So, I mean, in my big chunk of my work is teaching parents the skill of quiet time and independent play, how to teach their their children that. Um, But I think especially in the summer, right, knowing there's that built-in downtime for parent or caregiver every day, because I think it's just important for the grown-up as it is for the child.
1: Yes. And naturally quiet time or nap time in our home as the kids were little turned into quiet time. So if we're yeah. home, um, are in typically, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we're always home in the summer. Cause those are like the main days that I have to be here for meetings and things. Um, in the afternoon, I still tell the children, my 14 year old still goes to her room for quiet time and they're not, there's no electronics up there. And, you know, who knows what they're doing. She has a record player that she got for her birthday. I love that they're bringing record players back. Mm -hmm. Um, my 11 year old likes to organize and she's like a little Marie Kondo and she likes to roll her clothes, but you're right. Like we need that downtime. They need that downtime. Think about the school year, how busy children are. Um, they're in school from, let's say nine to four, if they have an activity, it, nine to four is the majority of their days. Let them enjoy their space at home, their toys, their environment. Um, Lizzie, going back to what you said about the simplicity of repeating this this place that you go to, I bet someone in our panel remembers in their childhood something that they did every summer, maybe a place that they went to and they repeated to. Does anyone want to share a memory that they had when they were a child of a place that they visited over and over again? Go ahead, Claire. (laughs) Um, My dad,
4: uh, we've spent, we had a house in the, in the mountains and we went there and my, so we went there actually a lot. And then um, my grandmother's house near the beach where my mother grew up. So it was the same thing, but I remember going back and finding my mother's old toys and like you know, that the old tricycle, the old paper towels was kind of, I, those are things, not paper towels, I'm sorry, paper dolls. Did I say okay. paper towels? Paper <laughs> dolls. Um, but
1: thinking thinking back, that was pretty fun, just going back to the grandparents' house. So the routines, and, and part of that is being intentional too, Claire, um, the grandparents. So if you are, you know, fortunate enough to have grandparents in your children's lives, and if not, maybe some type of a mentor, um, I know because my mother and mother-in-law are both very busy, they're both um, single and widowed, and but they're b- very busy. Um, we schedule time for the summer. So my mom does a sleepover um, with each of our three children, just one-on-one um, in the summer. They each get one sleepover with Boucher. And um, my you know, uh, my mother-in-law has over for a day by themselves, but that has to be scheduled in or else it doesn't happen because then before you know it, it's the end of summer and I forgot to put that on our calendar. Um, So if you do have a mentor in your child's life, schedule in some one-on-one time now um, so that they can see each other over the summer. All right, let's share some more ideas. This is fantastic, thank you. Uh, Going to the library, going to a repetitive place, being out in nature, Claire go ahead mm-hmm. I just did a blog post for uh, Carnival
4: Press on on this is June is family what family play month family national family month and you know my book with Carnival Press is about sportsmanship but I read a statistic that said if you ask children what how when they felt the most loved by their parents it's when they played with me like 9 out of 10 kids will say when they play and That is something that I've, you know, really found to be true. And it doesn't have to be anything fancy, but you know, if you have the deck of cards around, if you have a board game in our family, and Maria knows this, we play bocce ball, but it's not like at a bocce ball court. We play on the beach. We play down the, you know, down the dirt trail that we find we've made up our own rules and Christian, you're talking about science. We'll take a, um, one of those measuring tapes and measure sometimes instead of a string. So they're using measurement skills, but that that's one of the things I would encourage is to set aside not only quiet time, but time to actually play together.
1: Mm-hmm. And, you know, Lizzie, I don't know if you'll agree with me on this or not, but you did mention that, um, you know, to take the pressure off of the parents. I, now that the kids are getting a little bit older, um, We taught them Canasta, which is a family game. So I'm a little selfish in the fact that, you know, I taught the kids the game I love. And so now it's fun for me as much as it's fun for them. Um, So I don't know. It's not always, you know, we're not always playing their favorite game. But now we have a game that I used to play as a kid and that I love.
2: I love that too because I, you know I'm always telling the parents that I work with you don't have to play with their kids, your kids every time they ask. And I think the reason for that is to Claire's point, which is that kids feel so loved and seen when we truly connect with them when we're playing. And when we say yes every single time, we're sitting there scrolling on our phone and maybe answering halfway, we're pretending to play Barbies but we're not really paying attention. And when we can say yes when we can really and truly connect and know when we can't, our kids get the full, our full presence.
1: And we still reserve time for ourselves. That's a good point Um, because I kind of forgot how to play Barbies. I tried when they were younger and that part of my brain, like um, the imaginative part of my brain, what like couldn't figure out how to do it anymore. So Dr. Laura, go ahead. You had something to share.
3: You know, Parents feel so much pressure to provide a magical summer. And yet when we pull children, what they say at the end of the summer was nothing about going to Disney or anything that any money was spent on. They say things like, my dad and I lay on a blanket and looked at the stars and talked and he listened to me. That's what matters to children is that deep connection. That's where the magical moments come from. And so I think... You know, Lizzie's right that it's it's not about um phoning it in while we're on our phones, <laughs> right? It's about actually making time to connect with each of our children. And I actually think it does need to be scheduled in. It's not just our the grandmas who need it scheduled in. We, you know, I talked to a mom yesterday, has six children. She's like, you know, and I said, You you do need to connect with each child. In a deeper way, but you can't do that every day with six children, but you need a schedule that allows you to do that throughout your week. And every day you need at least a few minutes that you, that you walk up to that child while he's playing with Legos and you just sit down and you admire him and you help him to feel seen and appreciated. This is where the magic comes from. And summer, it's a little bit more low key, hopefully for us to be able to do a little bit more of that intentionally.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I was going to echo too, as a a teacher that, that absolute, and it doesn't need to be a long time. So it's the, it's the element of being fully present. That's the key to it. So it it can be five minutes of being fully present with your child, which is the phones are down and the, and that is actually the place where the heart to heart happens, the head to head, that deeper connection. So sometimes it's just simplifying things and allowing yourself to just put the phone down and put the other distractions and just be in the space with your child because they will feel it boy they will feel it and and that is profound it really is so i would totally agree with dr markham if you can schedule that in that's the secret sauce to pretty much everything and then you know sure you're going to add in activities and do all kinds of fancy stuff but boy that's the connective tissue that holds that family together is that element of being present with your children. And I, I sense that as an educator, I sense when a child has been with a parent, you can feel an ease and a rest and a comfort with being in their own company, actually. Mm-hmm. And then kids who are very restless, it's its a constant need to, can you see me? Can you yep. pay attention to me? You feel that restlessness in, in the classroom. So I'm aware of, of the, wow. that practice in some families. It even come, translates into the classroom.
1: Wow. That's really, that's profound. It really is just feeling that. Um, may, know, I add, yeah, go ahead. may I add one quick thing just on that note,
2: which is that, you know, I teach this in my course, but is to actually say to your child, I'm going to put my phone away. I'm not going to check the laundry when it buzzes. Mm. This is our time together. Mm. That is more special and gives it more weight than saying, hey, let's go out for ice cream and to here and here and here. It doesn't have to be a thing that, you know, It's really just saying, I see you, I'm here right now. Even if the baby wakes up from her nap, I'm not going to run in there. I'm listening to you right
1: now. And how, I mean, the acknowledgement, right? We love when people treat us that way. Why wouldn't we want to do that for our own children? Um, We don't have a ton of time left, but I did want to bring up life skills because um, in the work that uh, I have been doing over the last decade with um, character development, you know, we have found that there's been such a... um, uh, 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 a pressure, and there's been so much um, focus on academics over the last decade that Career Builder does this really great survey every few years, and they survey employers on what they are seeing um, on, on young adults coming out of college. And what sur- uh, the survey showed is that the young adults are coming with these wonderful um, grade point averages over 4.0, which For a long time, I didn't know you could get over 4.0. But what they're seeing a lack in is basic life skills, being able to um, make decisions, Being able to communicate with a team and work together as a team. And so I think it's also important to have some focus on life skills when you're home this summer, when life kind of is able to slow down a little bit. Um, If you are home, and I know there are many different um, ages of children out there, but think about something that would be age appropriate for them. So maybe your children, um, you know, your your preschooler starts doing some chores during the day and, you know, building that responsibility. And if you ask your preschooler to sweep up a mess, you let them sweep up the mess. You don't go behind them fixing it and making it better. You want them to really own that responsibility. And with our children now, um, we started this last summer. Uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, when we're home, um, we have three kids. So each day, a child makes lunch for their siblings and themselves. And we brainstormed a list of lunches because, again, they're 9, 11, and 14. And Dexter, my nine-year-old, last year he was eight, boy, did he learn how to make a good omelet. And when it was his turn to make lunch, did he almost always make omelets for his sisters? Basically, all summer. Yes, on Wednesdays, they had omelets, but That responsibility, that life skill of, you know, having first he had to ask to turn on the stove, but having to clean up the dishes and wipe down the countertop. And it's important. It really is. So um, what other life skills do you think it's important for children to learn that, that they might have an opportunity in the summertime besides chores like that?
4: Um, this is this is kind of crazy, but my kids talk about it to this day. When they were really young, I know this this is going to sound really mean, but we were, well we didn't have phones back then with screens, but we did have television, and I was pretty controlled with it. But they couldn't watch TV unless they folded socks and folded laundry, and the kids <laughs> would absolutely beg. To fold laundry, but when you have that many people, that's a lot of socks. And so I would just save all the socks, the towels, the dish rags, anything like that. And um, that was, and my kid, they still talk about it. They they learned to do laundry very young. That's wonderful. Go
2: ahead, Lizzie. One that we used to do is I would put you know these little post it notes, and I would say, "Should we go to park or the woods today?" You know, and circle and write your initial. And then, you know, that gives them a little bit of autonomy, right? And we would decide, now, say we said we're going to the woods, then we can sort of brainstorm. Okay, what do we need for the woods? Everyone go get a small backpack, right? So they could really learn. We need a water bottle. We need this. And of course, in the beginning, you know, they my preschooler would, I need my baby doll. And I need my this. and need my, You know, but it was the expectation that they would carry their own little backpack, right? And so they learned sort of what to put in there or not put in there because they had to carry it, right? And it was this great skill that they would set themselves up. Of course, I would, you know, we have like a master list where I would, and I would bring the snack or whatever it is, but it was kind of that skill of like thinking ahead, you know, first having the autonomy to decide what are we going to do a choice within a choice, right? And then how can we prepare ourselves? And, and then predicting what might come up while we're there. What do you think we might need? You know, so letting one of the kids be in charge of the band-aids that's a huge one, you know, preschoolers they love a band-aid. But that felt so big and important for them to be able to say when a sibling or a friend was hurt, "Hey, I have band-aids, or I have that in my in my backpack." and that communication.
1: Wonderful. What do you think, Dr. Laura, about um these life skills? what are What are some life skills that you would love to see families teaching and modeling in the
3: home? I love all of this. I would say one thing that occurs to me is how many teenagers? can't pick up the phone to make an appointment. So to to you know in the same way that it was mentioned earlier the child learns to go to the librarian to ask for a book, right? To those kinds of skills where they're interacting with the world to get their needs met and they have to learn an appropriate way to do that any Example of that, whether it's the librarian or picking up the phone, you know, even if they're going to all go to the pediatrician. Now, often they go before the summer if they've got a summer program, right? But, but some kids go before the school year starts. So, to be able to call, literally, to call the pediatrician and say, "Hi, this is Emma. I'm ten years old. I can tell you my birthday. Um, My mom is standing right here, but she asked me to call and make the appointment for me to come in. When would be convenient?" Like. You know how how many ten year olds can do that? Nobody, right? But they they become able to by doing this. And so and you know I'm not saying we walk away. We stay right there if they need us. We're always their backup. But it's sort of like you know with potty training. First we're really involved, and then we're not involved at all with (laughs) all of this other stuff. First we're really involved, you know. And I love I love the idea that they have to think in advance about what to pack to go. On you know, to do an experience, right? But there's all kinds of things that they might need to do research for. Yeah, and yeah. I love the idea of even having them work as a team. Again, I'm big on fostering the sibling relationship. So they can, you know, um, Father's Day is coming up. They work as a team to do the Father's Day experience. Mom is not in charge of that. Mom is a resource. Mom mom might even give them a budget to work with, but mom is, is their backup, She's not actually running the show, right? They're, depending on how old they are. Three-year-olds can't run the show, but it's amazing how good seven-year-olds are at running the show if they know they have you as backup.
1: Wonderful. And when you said making appointments, it can also be dinner reservations,
3: right? Yes, great idea. Or calling to find out how, whether the pizza place will still be open at X time when we come back from such and such. Those kinds of uh, phone calls, I think, are- Are calling or, for a play date. Yes, calling
2: for a play date. My nine-year-old also all the time. Mom, can you text so-and-so's mom? And I say, no, here, you can call and say, hi, this is Sloan speaking. May I speak to so-and-so? And And the other parents are blown away when they're like a kid answers the phone, but that's what we had to do when we were kids.
1: Yeah. That is, I, you might've just changed my life right there. (laughs) Dexter, you call Sandra and ask if Luca can play or ask for Luca. I love that. I love that. Well, as we're wrapping things up, are there any questions that anyone has or any other um, last minute, you know, words of advice? This is all wonderful. And, you know, I just keep thinking how, um, you know, we have different stages of parenting in this space. And, um, you know, there's some people who have toddlers and preschoolers and, you know, Claire, your children are adult children now. It's just, it's um, it's such a blessing to just be in the space of people who are at different Chapters in their journeys. I know some of them probably would want to pop back into a home with a, you know, nine, 11, and 14 year old. So um, to, to just really appreciate that. So anything else before we wrap up today? You're welcome, Alexis. Okay. Um, Dr. Laura, before we we end, can you just speak one more time a little bit about fostering that sibling relationship?
3: Sure. Um, You know, kids will always have a little bit of, am I getting my needs met? Are they getting something that I'm not? So the most important thing we can do is have a relationship with each child where they feel seen and valued and loved for who they are, not compared to anybody else. Mm. And it's also true that every human relationship has conflict and kids are not born knowing how to work out conflict. So how we handle conflict is really important how we handle conflict in general, like are we swearing at that driver on the road, but how we handle our children's conflict. When we intervene, are we saying, whoa, 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 I hear some loud voices. We can work this out, I'm right here oh, it sounds like you have something really important to tell your sister and you have something you want your brother to hear. Let's, you know, and helping facilitating that as opposed to coming in and saying, you know better, you know, you go to your room, you apologize right now, right? We uphold the rule of law, but we invite them to develop the skills to get along. And when we do that, there's a lot less sibling rivalry and a lot better feeling in our home. So a lot of the sibling relationship comes back to how we intervene, whether we have the relationship with each of our children, what tone we're fostering in our home. And then the rest of it is giving them opportunities to enjoy each other Mm -hmm. and just them to sort it out when they run into a clash.
1: Wonderful. That's wonderful.
3: Well, thank you so much for being here,
1: ladies. This has been wonderful. Um, just being able to hear all of you. Shirley, I agree. A great discussion. So much to share. Um, and we wish everyone a great summer. Oh, look, at, there's a dog in the background. That's awesome. Wow. Just helping him or herself in and out.
2: I think all my kids just got home from school at the same time.
1: Oh,
3: that's <laughs> they're-
1: <laughs> <laughs> so we will go ahead and put the replay up. We appreciate all of your time. And I'm wishing you all a wonderful summer.
3: Thank you. Have a great summer, everybody.
1: Okay. Bye-bye.